Blog Talk Radio. Christians out there, we know what happens tomorrow. Oh, it's so good to be having some sunshine here in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, high atop the Balance Studios where we are located at. Of course, we come to you across the nation, across the world uh, for two hours to talk sports. And today we've got a tradition like none other. Well, that's right. The Masters Weekend week started on Thursday. Great Great start to the uh, to the Masters, uh, and then yesterday we had a bit of a hiccup. We had a tree that uh, got tipped over. We had uh, weather, so got suspended. But it is back on par, no pun intended, uh, today. And we're going to be talking about that in today's show. Throughout the show, we'll be talking a little bit about the Masters. Also, uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and Burnout Sports. Dot com joins us uh, for a little double play to talk a uh, little Masters and NASCAR as they roll into the uh, Bristol, the world's fastest half mile. They'll be playing in the dirt tomorrow and in this weekend as well. Adam Jeveny and Buckeye Browns, Guardian, super fan, Cavaliers fan, you know, all around super good dude. Uh, we'll put on his ball cap with us. We're going to be Starting our MLB segment, and also we're going to be weaving in some NBA as we've got the uh, we've got uh, we're what, glad to have Grant Allstiff back on with us after several years. And, and you know what, we'll talk about this later. But we had him on when he was just a college kid. Now he has grown up, and he is a beat writer for the uh, Dallas Mavericks, and he is going to join us and talk to Mavericks and talk to him. Uh, and, and he's an NBA analyst for NBAanalyst.net. There we go. And uh, we'll talk about the postseason. And next week we'll really get it uh, dive deeper into the uh, postseason with the NBA, of course. Pacers not in it again, putting on my Homer card. But hey, we've come, we've come to, we've come to, come to understand that the, the the sports here in the city of Indianapolis has just been less than desirable, you know, mediocre at best. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, you know, hopefully we have brighter days ahead, especially 
with the cult. My name is Tom Mark with Sal Presidente. Stick around. 917-889-8516 is my digits. It's about to get good. Never get lonely. I got these goals to keep me company. I took the rear view off of this so forward, so I only see him in front of me. Now the past is out of sight and out of mind. Swore I changed, now I'm back chasing these white lines. I'm just a long head son of a sin. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's Fresh roasted, so um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is masa lekwa pique, which of course in the Indonesian language. Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they? Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? 
You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. the balance yes i know that was a little slow music but hey it's the theme of the masters come on we've got to be quiet now right (laughs) oh man what you know and we we called this show today a tradition like none other and obviously that's a a phrase that was uh penned by uh, jim nance so one of the legendary announcers at the masters if you don't know who jim nance is well you just you're you're missing out on life i mean he's everywhere uh, but anyway, we've been around for many, many years, and that's one of his uh, uh, taglines that he says, a tradition like none other. It's Masters Week. That's right. <laughs> well, Tiger Woods, uh, he started off round two, uh, wrap, wrap, well, uh, wraps up the second round after a weather delay. Man, what a crazy day it was yesterday. And, this, uh, you know, I had it on. Yes, I was working. You know, I was at the, at the office on Thursday. I worked from home yesterday. But at the office on Thursday, I, as I walked through the office, everybody had uh, the woods. Not everybody, okay, that's extreme. But had uh, the uh, Tiger Woods stories up, had the uh, Masters uh, up. So, you know, it's a, as, I, as I said earlier this week to some colleagues, they said, oh, golf is a snooze fest. Well, you know, I, I've been guilty of, of watching golf on a Sunday afternoon after getting my belly full on Easter and, 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 and take a nap. That is true. But even if you're not a football fan, for example, you got to watch the Super Bowl. And even if you're not a, uh, uh, even if you're not a baseball fan, you got to watch the World Series. Joining us now, though, is uh, a, a guy like none other himself, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com joins us. How are you, sir? You know, you'd have to look and see the comparison. I'm sure the I'm sure March Madness would win. But like, if you could, if you could talk about like a a chart of less productivity in the office, does it come on that first day of the NCAA, <laughs> or does it come on the first day of the Masters? I would say it's probably the tournament, but uh, it just depends. You know, I, I'm going to tell you what. Um, my company was all in on the Masters, and they even had a contest. It was before I started there that you could have won last year to win. Uh, tickets to the Masters, so that was really cool. But yeah, every theme, you know, companies they have different themed things going on, and it was all around the Masters. And you know, and in fact, they actually encouraged us to watch it, you know, uh, on on our monitor. So yeah, it was it was it was a fun day. Yesterday though was rather interesting. I worked from home, and I and I had, still had it on watching it here in the office. But uh, it just some weather weird weather. Uh, delays going on and so uh, Tiger Woods just finished up as I mentioned earlier just finished up the second round but you know when was the last time you ever heard of a tree falling over at Augusta National I don't know well, if I've you, ever heard of that 
you think about John Rahm's reaction when the sirens went off and the horns went off and they stopped playing. He was upset. Oh, they're really going to stop us. So they got back out there to go. And then, you know, they had to stop it again in that tree. So, um, obviously, they're going to err on the caution of safety and make sure everybody's okay with that many people out there spectating. Um, I think I think the biggest thing yesterday was watching the people. Are they going to leave their chairs? Are they going to leave their back chairs? Are they going to get up and, and, and move? Or are they going to just leave them there and, and just risk it? Uh, but then, obviously, when the evening time came and there was a lot of rain and a lot of action going on, it was just for the best. So, I don't know who's at a disadvantage or an advantage as far as the, as, as the tournament. Obviously, Brooks Kepka is leading and um, the clubhouse when the storms came, I got to think, you know, you start around like John Rahm and, and you're shooting well and everything's going your way. And then this happens. And I like, I just think that Brooks Kepka has the biggest advantage right now. And as we sit here on a Saturday morning, I just honestly think that this thing's going to go into Monday, right? Like they're going to be delayed and things are going to happen today because it's going to be raining and storming. So, um, I think we might see the Masters champion put on that green jacket on Monday. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, a pretty common thing where a lot of people are thinking. They're going to try very hard to get as much in today. Obviously, they started at, started at 8 o'clock. And as you mentioned, Bruce Kappa, uh, it, it, you know, he's just 12 under par, four shots ahead of uh, uh, Sam Bennett. Let's talk a little bit about him. A lot of people haven't heard about him, but he is the U.S. amateur champion. And among those still on the course uh, is as well to deal with his John Rahm, but also we can never we we talk about the Masters. We've got to talk about Tiger Woods. No matter how big of a, the odds of him winning or not winning, you never want to rule out Tiger Woods. So when we look at John Rahm and we look at Sam Bennett, but also particularly Tiger Woods, uh, what are your thoughts uh, going into the weekend? Tiger is going to be a story because everybody's going to make him be a story. He's what plus two. He's out of the tournament. He doesn't have a chance. That's fourteen strokes back. Um, I think the big thing is, is look, you've got a guy who is a live golfer leading this thing, and then you got an amateur in second, and the Masters tournament, and the PGA is going, oh man, we got an amateur who is second who can't even earn money on this right now, and then you got a live golfer that is in the lead, and the PGA and the Masters does not want a live golfer to win the tournament, and it just goes back to. I mean, you'll get this reference, but it just it feels like 2000 all over again when Juan Pablo Montoya was a cart driver and came back to the IRL and drove an Indy 500 and won. Like, that's great. But, man, the IRL really wanted an IRL driver to win that race. And said cart driver awesome Montoya won. So, um, yeah. you know, the big thing right now is, is Brooks Kepka is leading as a live golfer, and the PGA is going – we're sweating. We're sweating. We don't want this to happen. Please, John Rom, take over. But it's not going to happen. I mean, Brooks is so far ahead that it's going to take a miracle for anybody else to even make it close. Talking with Tony Donahue, we're going to get into some NASCAR here in just a second. But real quickly, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, the Augusta National uh, Golf Club, obviously that's where the Masters is played in Augusta, Georgia, announced three changes to the qualification criteria for the 2024 Masters. Uh, the first is an additional invitation for, for the NCAA Division I uh, individual men's champion. Vanderbilt sophomore Gordon Sargent, who won last May, at Greyhawk was invited to play this year's event and will now be an automatic exemption moving forward, provided that he remains, uh, that he re- is in the remains, sorry, I can't read today. Uh, the other uh, two weeks are more administrative in nature, but there's been some changes 
that apparently are ruffling some feathers uh, among golfers and PGA uh, players that come to the Masters. What are your thoughts on the changes to qualification going into 2024? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not going to change anything. Nobody's going to make any big deal about it. I mean, it's, they're just they're just minor changes that nobody's even going to know once that first tee shot is hit next year. So um, it's probably good for the amateur side of things, but at the end of the day, once they tee off, make sure nobody's going to really be worrying about those rules. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get a recap of last week in Texas with IndyCar. Obviously, a great race out there, and I know you were out there as well. They were able to get it in in, in spite of the weather. So let's go ahead and get a recap of IndyCar. Obviously, next week they're back on the track, not on the track this weekend, uh, but certainly at New Garden mastered a, a great win out there in Texas last year, well, last week. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the Texas of old, right? Like IndyCar side-by-side racing mile-and-a-half oval, two-groove racetrack. It actually worked out finally. Pato Award a spank in the field. He had everybody a lap down except for Joseph Newgarden. Yellows come out, give guys a lot of their lead lead back, their their, their laps back. And, um, no, it was overall a good race. You know, we were robbed of a really good finish because of Grosjean's accident. But it was setting up for another photo finish, which is what Texas was built off of in the 2000s. Um, so that that that, that kind of sucked to be robbed of that, but um, I mean Joseph Newgarden, the best driver right now in the series, the best overall driver. He's not very good at the Indy 500. He's not going to win the Indy 500. He's not very good there. But every other track, Joseph Newgarden's the favorite on. Um, great car, great setup. Uh, just an overall really good weekend of racing. It was pretty much clean until the race. We had a couple accidents. Obviously, Graham Rahal's accident was pretty scary. Thank God he's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into the back. Di Francesco, but um, just overall a really good weekend. Um, you know, Joseph Newgarden, though, just you think about the first two winners of the season, it's Marcus Erickson and it's Joseph Newgarden. It's Team Penske and it's Team Ganassi, Tom, and we're going to be talking about that all year. Is it going to be Ganassi? Is it going to be Penske? Can anybody else win a race besides Penske or Ganassi? And it's going to be tough to do so because they just have the best horses in the stable right now. They do, and absolutely, you got You cannot rule them out. Let's talk a little bit. It sounds like you're losing your voice, though. Are you losing your voice? Yeah, there we we went to the Pacer game last night, and despite the fact they got oh, yeah. they got killed, we fell and having a good time. Oh man, the Pacers say goodbye to their season. That's for sure. Uh, you know, later on we got a beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks coming on to, to talk some NBA uh, finals in the Mavericks. So we'll we'll see what they have to say about that. But the Pacers, you know, they. They, they pissed away the, the season. We'll just leave it at that. Bristol, uh, tonight it, 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 on the dirt, so much fun to watch the the night track at, Bur- at Bristol, and especially on the dirt. Uh, certainly Xfinity race tonight, the Weather Guard uh, truck uh, races on dirt. It, they're, they're, they they got to shorten these sponsor titles. And, of course, uh, tomorrow as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Bristol before we let you go so you don't lose your entire voice, sir? No, I'm good. No, the truck series tonight will be a great race. You know, when you watch a truck race, it's going to be beating, banging. There's going to be guys, you know, ripping each other's doors off. They're going to be sliding and all over the dirt tonight. So that'll be fun. Um, Xfinity is off until next week. But tomorrow, I mean, you know, the the, the cool thing about NASCAR is is the, the biggest thing before the pandemic was it was the same same races over and over. It was those mile-and-a-half holes, and it was boring, and nobody wanted the race. So they brought the stages in, and then – People wanted the race halfway through the halfway through the race. There was actually something to race for. Now you come back, and NASCAR says we're going to go to some cool tracks. We're going to go to Circuit of the Americas, and 
beat and bang all over each other, and we're going to go to the Daytona Road Course, and we're going to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, and now we're going to go to the Bristol Dirt. We're going to lay dirt over Bristol. At first, I was a little bit hesitant, right? Like, Bristol's fine. You don't need to change Bristol. Go change Atlanta or go change Kansas. Go change those tracks. But it's worked out so far. Um, you know, everybody thought in the first year, well, those those short tracks, sprint car drivers, Kyle Larson and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., they'll dominate, Christopher Bell. But it didn't. It was Joey Logano who got the win. So uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, remember last year it came down to the wire, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Chase Briscoe beating and banging, Kyle Busch comes through for the win. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to come right down to the wire. It's going to be side-by-side action. And what else are you going to watch on Easter Sunday? There's going to be nothing else going on tomorrow evening. Everybody's going to be winding down from the weekend. <laughs> it's easy. Right. Flip the thing on. You're going to get some action. You're going to get some excitement. And I think it'll be one that goes right down to that last lap. It's going to be decided on the last lap. And I'm hoping it's, it's between a few sprint car drivers. I'm hoping Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, Chase Briscoe, Rick, you know, those those type of drivers that had that experience are going to be the ones that uh, I think are going to be at the end tomorrow night. Well, you know, the Masters might run a little bit later tomorrow as well. You know, uh, we were so, some uh, people at work this week were saying, well, you know, the Masters golf is a snooze fest. You know what? It's not. But I will tell you one. I love golf. But I will tell you tomorrow after my Easter ham that I've ate and got my belly all full, yeah, Nap's going to come come a knocking while the Masters is on. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So, real quickly before we let you go, who is your official pick to, to put on the green jacket, whether it's uh, tomorrow or whether it's on Monday afternoon? You know, once I rip a few parts from the double eggs I'll have tomorrow, I'm going to go with John Rahm. I think John Rahm is the best golfer right now. Um, my only concern is just getting back out there to finish that second round and I think we're going to see some craziness. Right now, everybody's going, Brooks Kepka running away with it. He's 12. He's minus 12. But you throw in the elements of the rain, you throw in the elements of this could be a start and stop type of thing. I think we're going to see chaos. And I think John Rahm, the most consistent golfer, um, one of the best guys when it comes to the short game, is going to be right there. So I'm going to take John Rahm to win it. I'm going to say Chase Briscoe gets it done at Bristol. So give me a John Rahm, Chase Briscoe Sunday afternoon win. You got it. Hey, you know, I, this is the first time I've ever really did any money on on the uh, on the Masters. So um, one of the guys I work with, he, you know, he goes, he's got a system of just spreading it around. So I spread the love around, and I kind of used his system. His system, and this has come from a, a tweet, but there are 14 players in this year's field who are entering the weeks going gaining at least 18 strokes tee to green uh, for their last in their last four tournaments. And then uh, that would be uh, uh, Scotty Scheffner, uh, Patrick Canale, Roy McIlroy, George Spieth, Victor Hovland, Shane Lowry, Jason Day, John Rahm, there you go, Tony Fanon, Tony Fanon, Tony Fanu, Max Homa, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Halton, Gary Woodward, and Justin Thomas. Of course, there's a lot of those we've never heard of, but that's my system. All of those guys got a little love on the DraftKings golf, uh, Tony, so... Hopefully you're right about John Rom. And the good thing about DraftKings, you can do the top twenty, you can do the top three. So there you go. You're bound to roll the dice. Yeah, and get something. No, there's <laughs> every. It's like the Indy 500, right? You want to pick the guy. Tony Finau has been hurt. Okay. Um, Patrick Cantlay did not have a good day. Um, Max Homa mm-hmm. was up and down. Victor Hovland's interesting. He had a really good Thursday, and then yesterday, you know, Hovland. 
would get a birdie, and you're like, man, he looks good. He's got to get going. And then the next hole, it would be a bogey. And then you're like, what What happened? Then in the next the next hole, he looked really good. Like, okay, he's back. He's going he's gonna to start making And then he would bogey. And it's like, you know, it, there's just so much inconsistency with some of those guys. It's, I guess you just never know. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, you know, Tony Finau, I, I always like Tony, but it's like, Man, I just don't know. I don't think he has what it takes. Um, Brooks Kepka is a guy though that just hits the hits the crap out of the ball. I mean, absolutely annihilates it off the tee, and has that uh, has has that advantage over everybody. So it's going to be really interesting interesting to see when that last round comes down. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be on Monday? And who's going to be in that top three? Those players in that top three or top four? I think Colin Morikawa is still a guy that. You know, he's mm-hmm. 22 to 1 right now. So if you've got two bucks on DraftKings, put it on Colin Morikawa at 22 to 1 to win $44. Because if anybody can come back from a few strokes down and stay consistent, it's Colin Morikawa. You know what? I think I'm going to do that. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast at BurnoutSports.com. What are you guys working on this week? Yeah, we had an Indy Lights test, or excuse me, Indy NXT, the step down from IndyCar. We're going to have a 34th entry in the Indianapolis 500, which means one one driver is going to go home and not make the field. Um, we'll see who that is, but that just really spices up that bump day qualifying round where you've got to really nail it and get yourself into the show unless you're going to be on the outside looking in. Fantastic. Where can people find your working masterpieces, sir? Tony Indy, if they let me have my Twitter account back, I've been locked out. Other than that, everything's all good. You get, you get thrown in Twitter prison. Man, that's hard to do. That's hard to do, buddy. Hey, man, I'll have to look at the tweet that they got you arrested, man. <laughs> I didn't see it. Yep. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Tony. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com joins us today talking a little Masters as well. My name's Tom Markowitz. Hello, Presidente. Stick around. We're about to jump into some baseball talk and a little bit more Masters talk with Adam Jividen, and we're going to be breaking down MLB. It's that time again. Yes, it's spring. I love it. Now I gotta get out the freaking lawnmower. License to kill gophers by the government of the United Nations. Man, free to kill gophers at will. To kill, you must know your enemy. In this case, my enemy is a varmint. And a varmint will never quit. Ever. They like the Viet Cong. Varmint Cong. So what you gotta do, you gotta fall back. That's superior firepower. And superior intelligence. And that's how she wrote. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. 
I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. The balance. Thank you, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast at BurnoutSports.com. Uh, putting his hat to talk a little Masters with us. And, and obviously, uh, Steve Wilson's on spring break with his kids down in Florida. I can't say that I blame him there. Uh, and, uh, of course, now he'll probably be ready to get back to work covering races after that. I mean, anybody that's taking a group of kids down to Florida, you know what I mean. But, uh, so, uh, Tony uh, filled in for us there and, and talked a little NASCAR and then certainly a lot to talk about with the Masters. Joining us now, we're going to begin our uh, NBA, yeah, NBA. We are going to be talking some NBA, our MLB segment, and we're going to try to have that in at least every other week during the baseball. I mean, during the basketball, I can't give a sports right. Too many balls, but this is a show about balls. Anyway, Adam Jevedin, uh super uh, Browns fan, uh, Browns fan, super duper Guardians fan, Cavaliers fan, all around great dude. Joins us now, Adam. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing good, Tom. Is that going to be your printed T-shirt? It's a show about balls? I think so. I think it should be mine. <laughs> I think I should own that, right? Oh, good. Yeah, I was talking about golf balls, you know. And then there's the yeah, ball wall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's so, so many yeah, directions we'll we can go about, with. <laughs> today we'll be talking about the white, the white leather balls. Um, otherwise, that was right. America's favorite passer. That's right. So real quickly, though, you've been uh, following uh, the Masters? Uh, a little bit. I, I'm going to be honest. The last several years, I I loved golf. I used to – I would caddy when I was in college at different courses. And uh-huh. and I think, like, not having – I feel like a lot of the guys, not having that dominant personality like a Tiger Woods or for, before him yeah. there was, you know – Jack and, and Arnie, and there was always that, like, just absolute stud that mm-hmm. everybody would get behind. And Tiger is obviously maybe the biggest of all time behind, you know, him and Jack. It's, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the sure. Michael LeBron argument for golf. Going from Tiger and having no one really fill that void – just kind of hurt my interest as a golf fan. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then the fact that, like, all these guys that are, like, they're all kind of jerks. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it doesn't really, like, help the case at all, you know? And you obviously, mean, you like, either... we learned things about Tiger in his personal life. And, and he has, obviously, like, problems that, you know, different – everybody has different problems and different things. But, like, on the course, he was always, like, really respectful and – and even when he'd get upset, like, you'd see him, like, go apologize and stuff like that. And then you have, like, like all these guys like Kepka and, and Byron DeChambeau that are just, like, having, like, team contests on the freaking course. And you're like, guys, like, stop. It just, it just kind of took me out of it because I think, like, you watch the game, not, and at the same time, they've never figured out the, the what do we do with guys that are that that can now rip the ball 350 yards off the tee. You know, like it, it's kind of one of those things where you just the technology and everything it just kind of took took the steam out a little bit for for Adam as as a fan of golf. Now, I I typically watch at minimum Masters Sunday. Um, it, it just kind of was a tradition with my dad. So I'll probably watch that yeah. tomorrow um, after after I get back from our Easter service. But sure. th- that's just that's just me being honest. Um, I, I still <laughs> love the game. I think it's great. But I just don't necessarily have, like, a guy that I really am a fan of. That's because you're saying there's a lot of Shooter McGee's out there now, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, man. Tell me you've seen that movie and you get that reference. I yes, Tom. I, I just referenced it. Yes, I a hundred percent know Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I love Happy Gilmore. One of the best movies ever. One of the best movies ever. Well, let's get into some MLB talk and some coverage of the MLB. We'll start with the American League Central, where your uh, Cleveland Guardians uh, live. And let's talk a little bit about what's going on with them. You guys are in the middle of a of a uh, uh, contest with the Mariners uh, going on right now as well. Um, uh, you know, you guys uh, have the uh, – uh, did you see uh, Travis Kelsey throughout the first pitch? It's like the I wild did. thing he was wearing. That's great. I love it. What are your thoughts on that? you like that? 
I like Travis uh, he, Kelsey. Well, he's good. The, whole, he's the good Kelsey's dude. Are from, are from Cleveland. He actually desperately wanted to get drafted by the Browns, and of course, in epic fashion, we did not. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, it was a real, real bad. It was a real bad first pitch. Um, no, the, so the Guardians are off to a really good start. We actually just had our home opener yesterday. Um, we were one of the teams that started on the road, but we actually had the longest road road um, away series to start the season. We played four in Seattle and then went immediately and played three against Oakland. Um, and we started off five and two, dropped a game yesterday uh, in the home opener to Seattle. Uh, but so far, so good. The thing about uh, – the Guardians, and, and before that, the Indians, um, under um, Terry Francona as our manager, is we almost always start real slow. Um, if you look at standings at the end of the first month, every year we're like third or fourth at best. And Terry Francona just then knows how to make the slight tweaks to get the most out of the roster, and then by the end of the season, we're right back at the top of the division. So if we can get off to a good, hot start, that's huge. And when you're talking us being able to maintain um, the, the the lead on the division, but also not have to be in one of those positions where you're uh, you have to win the division to be in the playoffs at all, um, with the way that you know MLB structures the, the the very small amount of teams that make the playoffs. So. No, this is a it's it's great for for the Guardians to get off to a hot start. Uh, Stephen Kwan, the Rookie of the Year finalist last year, has just lit the world on fire um, so far to start the season. Uh, the the question for the Guardians, honestly, is we've got a few of our absolute young horses in the minors that we're just going like, all right, guys, why are you calling them up? Because they are they're mm-hmm. ready. Um, and that's going to be the question is, is do we turn it over to um, do we talk do we turn it over to Bo Naylor for example he's our one of our top prospects he's a he's a catcher um, the brother of Josh Naylor who's our one of our first basemen um, mm-hmm. and and then we've got some other young guys we also started the season with Tristan McKenzie our number two pitcher um, on the shelf um, he won't be back they said for another like six weeks. So we have time. The good thing about baseball is the baseball season is so daggum long, you can start <laughs> slow and still win the division by 15 oh, yeah. games like you did last year. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, you guys, uh, uh, start uh, your your uh, series off with the Mariners. Uh, obviously, uh, Cal Quantrell is your is your picture today uh, going up against Marco Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez, 7.20 earned uh, run average. Uh, where Cal Contrell is a 7.71, uh, eight hits allowed by Cal, uh, six hits allowed by, by Marco, three strikeouts by Cal, and one by Marco. So certainly on paper looks like a good matchup between Marco Gonzalez and Cal Contrell. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so Cal Quantrill, he's actually, I don't know if you remember, Tom, from the 90s, played for the, the Blue Jays a long time. Paul Quantrill, he was a first and third baseman. You remember him? Sure. Cal is his son. So, okay, there you go. I was wondering about player. that. I didn't know for sure, but yeah. Yeah, so so Cal Cal is our actual number three starter. He got a little he got roughed up a little bit in his first go um, against Seattle, but last year Cal was rock solid. Uh, I kind of expect Cal to kind of get back on the horse 
today. Um, you know, first that, those first games right out of spring training can always be like, oh. And then you look down, and then, you know, the first game, the guy gives up like eight or eight earned runs or something like that. And then the next three, he gives up like four over his next three starts. Um, so, I, you know, I expect Cal to be fine. Um, Seattle was a tough squad for us last year. Just the matchups were really tough. Seattle is going to be making a push for the AL West. Again, uh, Julio Rodriguez is a – a boy is like a bona fide up-and-coming superstar. He is where Juan Soto was a couple of years ago with the Nationals. Um, just an absolute stud. They've got really good pitching. And the cool thing for the Mariners this year is they are hosting uh, the All-Star game um, in, the, in the summer – or in like July – so, yeah, no, Seattle is, is very, very good. And then we transitioned from Seattle to a series with the Yankees. So we kind of were like the schedule maker was like, hey, we're just going to stick it to you right out the gate. With a long open road series, and then you open up at home with the Mariners and the Yankees. Yeah, you're certainly in a, a great position to do well in the postseason, as, as projections would per, would would say. Let's talk about the Twins. Obviously, they're in, they're in first place in, in, in the American League Central. And, of course, yep. uh, you're sandwiched in between the Twins and the White Sox. Um, so what are your thoughts about those two teams? And then we'll move on. Yeah, the, the, Twins are, the Twins are real good. I don't expect the White Sox to be, honestly, in contention um, at all. They lost kind of their heart and their soul in Jose Abreu last year. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a Guardians-Twins battle all season, and a lot of it's going to come down to health uh, for the Twins. Can Byron Buxton, their best player, stay healthy? Um, will he continue his rise amongst just uh, of, of quality players, quality play? For the Indians, Flash Guardians, I, I'm going to say Indians probably till I die. Um, for them, <laughs> the big thing is going to be we know they can generate runs. That's how they did it all year last year. Will we have enough threat of the long ball to help even out our offense? It's why they brought in Josh Bell. Um, we're hoping to get a bigger year out of Oscar Gonzalez. But, yeah, I think the Twins twins and the Guardians are are going to be neck and neck um, all season for that AL Central crown. I, I think by the time the dust settles, my quick picks for the AL, I think, I think Seattle's going to win the AL West. I think the AL East is going to be the Blue Jays, followed by the Yankees. And I think the Yankees or the Blue Jays, whichever one does not win the division, and the Angels are going to win the um, – are going to take the wild card. I, I feel the, the Angels at some point have to get to the wild card with Otani and Trout. Like, it just, it just has to happen. I, so I just kind of – I feel like maybe this is the year. Well, let's move on over to the National League Central. Uh, you know, uh, we always like to joke about the Reds. Of course, they're, they're number one right now, but – Let's just face it. The Reds are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Kid. Yeah. <laughs> but, but as, you know, the, the Cardinals. Don't worry about the Reds. For, I mean, they, they started off well, and they'll be done by the time the calendar flips to May. You know the old story, this is, a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. They never get it. It's the sprint. So, but so that said, using that theory, I, I'm kind of disappointed in my Cardinals. They've got a slow start. But like you said, this is a long season. And uh, the, the, they're 2-1, and one, and the 
the Brewers, they, they've got the Brewers now, and Brewers are, Brewers are hot, 6-1. and one, And obviously, we lost to the Brewers last yesterday. Uh, so, we'll see what happens with the Cardinals. But, uh, any anything you want to talk about with the National League Central, obviously, uh, we, we look at the Cardinals, we look at the Brewers, uh, we look at the, the, the Pirates, the Cubs, the Reds, and the Cardinals in last place right now in the National League Central. we got the Brewers and the Pirates sandwiched in between the, the Cubs and the Brewers. And, of course, we just talked a little bit about the, the, Red, the Reds, not the Reds. But, you know, again, long season. So I have to press preface that. We're going to see the combination yeah. of this change all the way around. But what are your thoughts? Since they are in the number one slot, what are your thoughts about the Milwaukee Brewers? Uh, the Brewers are fine. They're going to be an okay squad. They'll probably finish somewhere. I would estimate they'll probably finish somewhere under 500 or right around 500. As a Cardinals fan, Tom, I'm going to give you some some relief. Here's going to be some tums for okay. your heart. For your heart. No, no pun intended, right? Relief pitcher, no, no pun intended. All right, no. go ahead. <laughs> Don't sweat it. The Cardinals are fine. The Cardinals have actually one of the deepest rosters in the National League, especially when you look at the number of players that played for the Cardinals in the World Baseball Classic. One of the things that's interesting is guys that teams that had several players that played in the WBC have gotten have not gotten off to good starts because like their normal rhythm of spring training and everything else was thrown off by going into what was for these guys something they were very passionate about and wanted to, like, play as hard as they could so they don't get that ease into spring training. So it was kind of like ease into spring training, given everything you got, then there was, like, two weeks left of, of relax, and then the season started. It's very herky-jerky. We've seen this every year that the WBC has existed, is the teams that have a heavy reliance on – um, players that play in the WCC usually just don't get off to the best of starts. So, with that being said, Tom, you're fine. I'm not sweating the Cardinals. They were my pick to win the division at the start of the year, and they're still my pick to win the division. All right. Good to go. Good to go. All right, let's just bounce around the league here, and we'll just kind of just talk about the number one and number two teams as we know them now. In the American League East, we've got the Rays and the Blue Jays. What are your thoughts on those two as it stands now? Uh, they're, uh, the, the Rays getting off hot 7-0, and and the Blue Jays 5-3. and yeah, I mean, I, I think the Blue Jays are for real. Um, I said that a few moments ago. I, I I think they could very well finish with the best record in the American League. Um, and, and, and I think the team that's going to finish with the best record, not in the American League, but in the National League, that I think will finish with the best record in baseball this year is the Atlanta Braves. I think they're going to be staring down. Um, another World Series title if they can, you know, if they can stay healthy. And, and obviously – what happens in October changes everything. Nobody expected the Phillies to go to the World Series last year, and sure enough, there they were, almost winning the whole thing. Um, so, you know, I I think the Rays, the Rays are off to a great start. I just don't know that they can sustain it. It's a very tough division. Um, I, and and I, think, I think for the Rays, I think for them, there's just going to come a point where they're um, – their inability to retain players long-term is going to come back and bite them. Um, and I feel like at some point that that's going to happen, especially this year. The Rays have also shown that they are a very resilient ball club, but also don't have some of the depth oftentimes to deal with injuries 
when they arise. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you can get through injuries because you have superstar players or superstar, especially for the Rays in the past few years, superstar pitchers. And they, they've got dudes that are close, but they're just not as good as what we've seen from the Rays in the past. Um, so while they are off to a really hot start, and I expect them to contend for most of the season, I think they'll end up falling, you know, like just short of, of being able to, to maintain a playoff bid throughout um, what is, as we said, a, a very long season. Let's get over to the American League West. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be talking about the West throughout the entire season. Obviously, that houses the the Astros and the Angels and the Rangers. But a sneaky good team to keep your eye on, and I'm telling you now, even though they're in last place right now, is the A's, the Oakland Athletics as well. This this division is full of powerhouse teams that can go deep into the postseason. But since our conversation points are in the first and second place, let's talk about the Rangers and the Angels, who are both tied up at four and three. Uh, but uh, the Rangers are pulled up out in first just a little bit. Uh, but uh, the Rangers are in first place, Angels are in second, but they are technically mathematically tied. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I think the, I think this is one of those cases with the with the Rangers. I just until we see a Rangers team do it. That ballpark, it's not good for pitchers. Jacob DeGrom went there after he left the Mets this last offseason. But they just – it's never worked well. And I we've yet to see them – I mean, outside of they had that run where they made it all the way to the World Series with, with Josh Hamilton and some of those other guys. Like, it, they just don't do it. They don't have consistency. Um, they seem to just value hitting the ball out of the ballpark over everything else. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't see the Rangers maintaining this all season. Um, as I said, I think, I think Seattle's the team to beat in that, in that division with uh, the Angels um, coming, up, coming up in second but being able to take a wild card spot. And, and anytime you've got two guys as good as Otani and Trout, they could win the wild card, wild card game. And, I mean, they, they have the talent to take it into the playoffs if they can just put it together and get there. The problem with the Angels the last two seasons is they'll have two or three points in the season where they just, like, completely fall off the track. They'll lose, like, they'll lose like 18 out of 21 for, like, no reason. Um, and, and that's where they can avoid stretches like that where you just seem to just completely go in shambles. They'll be fine, and I think they'll make the playoffs. And I think this is the year – I kind of feel like this is the year they have to. Oops. Not my phone. If they don't do it this year, I think to look at maybe trading Trout or Otani to try to build an actual deep roster as opposed to being built around two absolute superstars. You know that's that was it's funny that you mentioned those two Atani and Trout. Did you watch the uh, the world uh, the world championship of baseball? Yeah, when Otani struck him out to win the whole thing. Yeah, yeah I'm like, oh my god! I mean, you don't get better than that. You got freaking teammates. <laughs> and one's a freaking outfielder that also is a pitcher that strikes out 
<laughs> and Mike Trout and him, they're like best friends. I was like, dude, this is like movie stuff. That's classic. It was classic, absolutely. Well, let's move on over to the National League. National League East, we talked about the Braves. Braves are super, super good. Uh, but yet, they were last year as well. So were the Phillies as well last yep. year. And so we look at the Mets, and the Mets got a lot going on there, uh, the Marlins and the Nationals. But uh, for the point of context of the, this conversation, the Braves and the Mets are in first and second. Braves have a strong lead, six and two, five and away, five and one and away. Um, and the Mets are four and four, and then it falls down after that. Of course, the Nationals are two and six. Again, the Nationals. This is a league that, that you all see a lot of shaking and baking, but the Braves are a dominant team. But they were last year too. So, I don't know. Get excited about the Braves, but then don't get excited about the Braves. So that makes any sense. So, so the Braves are t- Braves are ridiculously good. Uh, the Phillies, and then the yeah, that, this is a tough division because the Braves are ridiculously good. The Phillies made the World Series last year, and then you have the Mets, mm. who spent like all of the money in the world. It mm. felt like last offseason. If they were the free agent that got a big contract, you're like, oh, he went to the Mets. Um, that was they're just they're going to try to buy themselves back into contention, similarly to what we saw the Dodgers do a few years ago. Um, and you know what? It worked for them. They won a title. Good for you. Um, not the way that we do things in Cleveland. I mean, I, I wouldn't be mind buying a free agent here and there, but I, you know, those types of things they just almost never pan out. Like any time you see one of those teams just go hog wild in free agency. You look at the you look at the standing. You're like, oh, you spent two hundred and sixty million dollars to finish in fourth. Good job. Um, it just it just seems to me that is how it goes. You know, they don't use the term. I don't I don't use the term baseball gods very often. Um, but I feel like sometimes the baseball gods are like, all right, we're gonna see what happens. All of those guys you signed, they're all gonna like, they're gonna like tear their their freaking. Uh, like hamstring, like sneezing, or like you'll have one of those like weird injuries where you're like, this guy farted in the clubhouse and he blew out his butt muscle, like something like that, you know, like <laughs> you, you see that happen to those teams that spend all the money in free agency, and I just laugh really hard. Absolutely. Well, let's look at the National League West. Obviously, again, a, a, a mix of giants, if you will, no pun intended. Of course, the giants do uh, live in that division. The Dodgers, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies, all very, very good teams. Uh, but the Padres, again, are making a scene at the beginning of the season, as they did last year. Dodgers are right there like they were last year. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the Dodgers and the Padres, and what are your thoughts about the National League West? The, the Padres – so help me. And, and they're another one where they've spent, like, all of the money. But I'm not going to lie, man. I kind of want to see the Padres. Like, if, it's, if the Guardians don't win, I'd love to see the Padres do it. Um, I grew up, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the Padres, but I feel like every kid that grew up watching baseball in the 90s loved Tony Gwynn. How, like, how could you not? He's just this, like, giant kind of Charles Barkley-looking – Heavy set dude that looks like he has no business being a professional athlete, and then he's hitting like 365. Like he was just everybody loved so, and he was like so happy um, all the time. Like so, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the Padres if they don't win, uh, or if, if the Guardians don't go to the World Series. I'd love to see the Padres do it just for that. Like man, do it for Tony. Like and, and you know they they are stacked. 
you know, you've got Manny Machado, you've got now Juan Soto. If Fernando Tatis can lay off the, the PEDs, we'll see what he kind of is without them. Um, they're real, real heckin' good. And and they are, in my opinion, the team that could give the Braves their run for their money for best record in the NL by the time we hit the end of the season. And then the Dodgers are – I mean, the Dodgers have been good for – like, they're in it every year with one of the best records. But now they're starting – a lot of those core guys are starting to get old, older or they left. Like, Cody Bellinger went and signed with the Cubs. Um, you know, we're at the very end of Clayton Kershaw's career. Um, all of those guys, like, uh, Scherzer went to the Mets. You know, you have to really think about where how much lo- how much more longevity does the Dodgers have, and how do they retool, and can they retool in the in the middle of kind of, kind of midstream? And we haven't seen if they can do that yet. But I think I think that division is going to run through run through San Diego and San Francisco. The Giants are, I mean, they got a real good squad too. It was a little while where it's been a bit since they had those like every other year winning the World Series kind of scenarios, but they're they're very strong too. I just again I look at San Diego and go, I just think that's a mountain that can't be climbed. Yeah, absolutely. Well let's just kinda of bounce around the news. How how much longer can you stay with us here, uh, Adam? I got just a couple minutes. Okay. Well, real quickly, then let's uh, divert from that, and let's just uh, kind of jump into some NBA uh, talk. We're going to have Grant Alstev. Uh, he's going to be joining us. He's beat writer for the uh, uh, Dallas Mavericks, and he's going to be joining us. And, you know, fun story to have him on. We had him on when he was just a college uh, student at the University of Arizona, and he used to uh, do some college work, and he's from Indiana, but he, he uh, used to cover the Pacers in college and high school, with the Kokomo Tribune. So there is that connection to Indiana, but it's good to have him. It's been many years since we've had him on. He's grown up a lot. So it's, we're excited to have him on and talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA uh, playoffs. As you heard us talk a little bit with Tony Donahue earlier, the Pacers just pissed their season away. And here we go again, another story of loss in the city of Indianapolis where it doesn't matter, you know, for some reason, pick a team here and let's, let's just – you know, we can't we can't make it happen. Or the Pacers, you know, go ahead and put your Hummer cap, cap on for the Cavs, if you will. But um, also the Pacers are just giving – because next week, me, you and I are going to be talking in quite in-depth about the uh, NBA Finals uh, for sure as, as we get deep into it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're just, we're just ending the season. Pacers pissed their season away. Uh, you know, Cavs have got some stuff going on. The Lakers got some stuff going on. So at a high level, give me the Adam Jividen look at the 2023 play NBA playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, you you might say the Pacers pissed their season away. I don't think so. I think this was a good next step for the Pacers. You know, they saw Tyrese Halliburton really make steps. He made the All Star game. We had a really good rookie season out of Benedict Matherin. Um, Miles Turner put together the best season he's ever had. Um, I, I still think the arrow was pointing up for the Pacers. If they can, I know they just missed the playoffs, but if they can get some lottery luck and and land, you know, one of these better players in this upcoming draft, they're also going to have the first uh, the, the first round draft pick for the Cavs because of the Karis LeVert trade. So I mean, I'm not I'm not as down on the Pacers as, as others might be. I actually feel like they're 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 trending in the right direction for the first time in a while, and not just treading water. Um, but you know, if, if for, I'll leave it, I'll leave the Dallas talk for him. 
what an abject disaster trading for Kyrie Irving, one of the most talented mm-hmm. losers in the history of the NBA. Don't get me started. Yeah, on we're going to talk about that for sure. Scott in Game Seven. But that dude does not know what it takes to win, and I don't want him anywhere near my basketball team if I am a fan of the NBA. Um, the Cavs, you say the Cavs have a lot going on. They have a lot more than a lot going on. They're fourth in the East, which might sound like, okay, that's pretty good, but the East is so freaking loaded. They would be the second overall seed in the West. Um, when they win and beat Charlotte, probably, I'm assuming, um, on Sunday in a game that doesn't really have any implications and that nobody cares, uh, they'll finish with 52 wins, and then we'll, we have our first-round uh, matchup already locked in with the New York Knicks. So I'm, I am pumped. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to watch Donovan Mitchell. I'm ready to watch Jared Allen. I'm ready to watch Evan Mobley. Um, I mean, it's, I, this is going to be, dude, Darius Garland. I'm just I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Will the Lakers make some noise? They are playing some of the best basketball in the league. You take out the first, like, six weeks of the season. Um, dude, you know what would be – I don't I, – I would be shocked if it happened. But could you imagine if the Lakers played the Cavs in the finals? I would lose my – like, holy crap, what a story. I mean, obviously I'd want the Cavs to win. But, you know, like, it, it would be pretty amazing. I think not to get too far ahead of myself um, – I think the Cavs will lock in um, and, and take down the Knicks, and then they're going to have an epic, epic series with the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a little preview of next week. But there really we go. Well, what about the Golden State Warriors? They're the defending champs were there. They're still battling to qualify for the postseason, in which 16 games will face off in four rounds in action to determine the 2023 NBA champion. And the Golden State Warriors, are they going to be there this year? They'll be in the playoffs. They went around, though. Um, I, they just they they just looked super disjointed all season. They are getting Andrew Wiggins back after his really long hiatus for personal reasons, which, like, I don't know if you follow NBA rumors, but those personal reasons are just real bad. Um, I feel for Andrew Wiggins if they are true. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know that Golden State's going to stick around. I think they are – I, are we seeing – was last year the last run um, for the Golden State Warriors? I, I think it very well could be. Adam Jividan, super Browns fan, super Cavs fan, super Buckeyes fan, all around super great dude. We appreciate you joining us, sir, and we look forward to having you on next week. And we're going to break down the NBA. And I've got to ask – because, you know, I ask everybody, where can people find you working Masterpiece as well? You don't engage in social media, so there you go. But when are we going to have a Jibby's Day? Tomorrow, I got a pretty light day. Do me a favor. Text me around like 3 o'clock and remind me, and I'll get on my computer and I'll write. That sounds like a plan, brother. That sounds like a plan. All right, man, we'll talk with you soon. All right, see you, Tom. Have a good one. All right, bye-bye. Adam Jividen joins us. It's always great to have him on uh, with us as as uh, we break down the MLB. And we're going to have that at least every other week, especially during the, the NBA uh, finals. We want to make sure that we have plenty of time for that. My name is Tom Marco, Sal Presidente. We'll be right back. Coming up at 1030, we got Grant Alstiff. 
who's going to be joining us, uh, beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks. And, yes, we are going to get into that Kyrie Irving conversation, but also, more importantly, more conversation about the NBA talk. You got just me coming up here on the other side. So if you want to jump in and ask some questions or, or talk, I give us a call 917-889-8516 is my digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Never get lonely. I got these goals to keep me company. I took the rear view off of this so forward, so I only see him in front of me. Now the past is out of sight and out of mind. Swore I'd change, now I'm back chasing these white lines. I'm just a long head son of a sinner, searching for new. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. 
It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. Mandy, Mandy Pepperidge, well, I haven't seen you since we... Go away. I'm sorry, I can only stay a minute. Let me buy you some lunch. Oh, you've got your lunch. Well, how about some milk? You got your milk, too. Well, can I just massage your thighs while you eat? Do I have to leave? Is this any... Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying But I'm only human after All right, and welcome back to The Balance My name is Tom Mark Russell, Presidente A beautiful, sunny day here in Indianapolis The West Suburbs High atop the Balance Studios Where we're located in Indianapolis But we reach you all over the United States We see you there so make sure that we know that you're there when you're listening to the podcast. Just go ahead and hit subscribe. That way, whenever we drop a, a, a show into the pod, you've got it. You drop everything. You just start listening to the pod. Well, we wish that was a reality, but we would love for you because we know how awesome we are. We just know that you're, you're out there and that you're listening as well. So wherever you get your podcast. You know, Apple Podcasts, that's one of the most popular ones we're on, uh, but certainly Stitcher and TuneIn. And really, wherever you get your podcasts, just search the balance, and we are right there. If you're listening to us right now, if you're listening to our live show across our facilitator of Blog Talk Radio, across the United States, and across the world, for that matter. Uh, so we appreciate you you listening uh, as well. Make sure you're following us on the social media media in the Twitter world at T Balance, and then on Facebook, just search the balance. There we are, very easy to find it, and like us on Facebook. And uh, we keep a lot of 
things updated on our social media. Obviously, we, we talk a lot of racing and stuff as well. So we, we, we got you covered on whatever your sport of choice is. Uh, well, okay, not everything. We haven't, we haven't emerged into pickleball yet or things like that. But, yeah, well, so if you got a pickleball story you want to talk about, you know, let us know. Uh, but uh, appreciate t- Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. We joined us for a little uh, double play talk and talked a little bit of the Masters, and certainly that's going on. Very, very exciting. Will that will the green jacket be awarded to John Rahm? I mean, that's that's certainly a, a popular thought, uh, and uh, so we'll see uh, how that happens. And, and of course, Tiger Woods is always the story. You know, he's out. He's not going to win. What are the chances of him winning? None. But hey, it's Tiger Woods, and 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 let's let's talk about it. And Adam Jividen joined us as well. Uh, you know, Super Browns fan, Buckeyes fan, Guardians fan, and he's also our college football co-pilot. Just all around good dude. But uh, he's put put on his ball cap with us today uh, to uh, talk some baseball uh, with us. And we're going to do that about every other week and catch his work up on our website. <laughs> Jimmy's been, and we got to give him a lot of hard time about about that as well. But uh, you know, check us out on the website and uh, balancesportscast.com. Balance. I'll have to get that. It's not on here. Oh, there it is. I'm blind. Uh, BalanceSportsCast.com. Uh, Melissa does a great job of uh, getting this stuff out there, and I just can't read it. BalanceSportsCast.com. That's our web, website, and check it out. Okay, that's all the, the fun uh, promotion, selfless promotion that we've got going on. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to call uh, for a few minutes and talk with us, coming up here at 1030, we're scheduled to have Grant Alstead. Uh, with a beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA and NBA writer for NBAanalysis.net joins us to talk NBA in the postseason. And let's get into this conversation with him about the Dallas Mavericks and Kyle Irving. I, I want to have that conversation. And, you know, if you're, if you're a Dallas fan, if you're a Mavericks fan, are you disappointed that you didn't get further? Are you disappointed that you're eliminated uh, from the NBA playoffs? So we're going to certainly have that conversation as well. You know, we didn't forget about it. We just had a lot going on for this show. So let's backtrack to last Monday uh, <clears throat> when we, we saw the finale uh, to the NCAA men's basketball. Uh, you know, one, UConn won. Uh, not Valparaiso, Villa, whatever I was calling it last week. Uh, UConn won. I mean, and, and you know what? All right. Self, one more selfless promotion. All right. Selfless promotion. Yours truly, El Presidente, wins the balance uh, bracket. Pick UConn. I'm that smart. All right. I wish I could take credit. I, I filled out five or six brackets, okay? I think I filled out the max we were allowed to fill out. <laughs> and UConn just happened to be one that I threw in because they, they are good. They are a very good basketball. And that team, are they going to – are we going to see a repeat maybe next year in 2024? Certainly one of the wildest NCAA tournaments in recent history, a tournament that included, what, 16 over one upsets, zero top three seeds in the, in the final four, a buzzer beater in one of the national, in the one national semifinal in a five seed versus a four seed in a title game. What does the, the 23-24 men's uh, college uh, basketball season have in store for us? Is it too early? Is it too early to say, you know, uh, are we? Are, <laughs> oh goodness! 
I mean, I don't know. Will it be widespread parody across the sport again? Will it include blue bloods that that return to the top of the sport? Curious to see. Curious to watch the uh, transfer portal. How it how it plays out. You know, of course, Notre Dame gets a new coach, and, and Purdue loses uh, Edwards. I think it was to the to the portal. Um, I'm curious to see what impact where these these players end up at. Obviously, players that didn't get to play. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier uh, this week. Here's the thing about the portal. It gives an opportunity to those that didn't have an opportunity, but should have had an opportunity. Maybe a lot of these players, they were told, Hey, you're, you're better than you're the next LeBron or you're, you know, you're the next, whatever, you know, and then nobody ever told them that they, they weren't that. And then they get to the NCAA on a scholarship and they're setting the bench. And they're seeing their teams win, and they're seeing their teams go forward, but they're playing the bench. Well, coaches make decisions about benching for a lot of different reasons. But the most being, hey, you haven't shown me that you can go out there and contribute like these other guys have. That's why they're starters. Show me something, you know. So that's what we're going to see. Those are the players that we're going to see move into the uh, portal, if you will. So. You know, are you all recovered from the UConn win? Yeah, I'm not surprised. You know, they won every single game. They won every single game by double digits. So, I mean, I, I was really excited about uh, going back to Florida Atlantic. Yeah, there's that Dusty May connection here to Indiana. He's from Southern Indiana, and he went to IU. All, all of that good, fun stuff that we have here in Indiana that uh, he, he was a, a, a part of. But Florida Atlantic basketball team I think it has not even been around since mid I mean I think it came around the year I graduated high school in 1987 to be honest with you am I sure my age there but um but in all reality it hasn't been around a long time when you look at you know the UCLA's and you look at the, some of the other teams that have been around for a long duke and you look at IU and you look at you know Kansas and a lot of these teams that have been around for eons and upon eons to come up against a, a really solid San Diego uh, team and, and 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 nothing to be disappointed. I mean, San Diego ran it to the buzzer. I mean, literally to the buzzer. And uh, Florida Atlantic uh, just fell short. Very very disappointing uh, loss for the Florida Atlantic. But they're not gone. And you know what? I don't think. And you know, we were listening earlier this week on local radio here that Dusty May was on. Now, so far with Florida Atlantic, all of the players have committed to come back. That's great. That's great. Let's hope that they can build on that and we can see them again. You know, we saw a lot of this. I, I remember a few years back when Butler did it, you know, when Brad Stevens was the coach there. So uh, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, now we also got to look at, at players that are going to be going into the NBA draft, you know. So there's that. Uh, so we'll see what players uh, come back. Uh, and so – you know, we'll 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 uh, we'll hold our uh, excitement for a 2024 season, but let's 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 uh, let's dive in. There's only 217 days until season tips, something like that. Yeah, those people who have the best math in the world can certainly correct me on that. It might be 215, it might be 200, it might be 220, but there's 200 and some odd days. Until the season tips, you gotta like the Huskies again. 
I mean, <laughs> the Huskies will enter the 2023-24 basketball season with hopes of going back-to-back. I mean, who doesn't have the, that hope? But uh, San Diego might opt to leave. But Clinton, again, if he returns and is waiting in the wings, I mean, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we talk about uh, UConn making a, a a repeat? You know, and here's here's another team that we saw Marquette, uh, the Marquette Golden Eagles. And you know, I have a weird ability to know mascots. I brag about that, but then half the time I get it wrong. As we as we heard last week with the debacle with uh, <laughs> the Wildcats and the Huskies, but nonetheless, Marquette's season ended with a disappointing second round loss to Michigan State. I mean, there again, Tom Izzo, Michigan State. There's a combination you can never outrule. But uh, but but given that the, the Golden Eagles won the Big East regular season and the conference tournament titles after being picked ninth in the preseason, there should be plenty of optimism here in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, Shaka Smart, uh, you know, team, loved him. Marquette, Marquette Eagles, I'll look for them to you know, to do well. And I, I'm just looking at teams that we saw. There's all kinds of combinations here. I'm just looking at teams that were in the uh, recent NCAA tournament and, and how they ended up. And so the Blue Devils, you always got to predict that they'll be there. You know, uh, Tyrese Pro- Proctor and Mark Mitchell, uh I've certainly said that they'll be back and committed to return to Durham. Um, now, Whitehead, Darik Whitehead is leaving. Uh, Kyle uh, Filipski, uh, Derek Lively, the second, would, you know, will, will probably move around there. So there's going to be some moving around, but there again, Duke Blue Devils. Kentucky Wildcats, John Calipari is with the number one recruiting class in the country. And I, as well, I'm an IU guy. Everybody knows that. I'm not a big Wildcat fan, but I thought they were actually going to go a lot deeper than they did, to be honest with you, the Kentucky Wildcats. So they'll be there for sure next year. I want to go back to the Florida Atlantic, the Owls. They aren't going anywhere, people. This year's NCAA, well, are they a Cinderella or are they just a darling? Uh, if you're a darling, you're not quite a Cinderella. But if you're a Cinderella, you could be a darling and a Cinderella. I don't want to confuse you there. But they certainly were a darling. I, I don't know if we want to call them the Cinderella because maybe we do. Right? Well, maybe we'll make that a, a poll. It's a little late, but maybe we'll make that a poll on uh, on the Twitter. Uh, was was the was the Florida Atlantic considered a Cinderella, or are they just a darling? I, again, Dusty May said here on local radio. I heard him. He said, uh, you know, all five starters from the tournament will be back. Um, it, it, Michael Forrest, maybe, uh, is, is expected departure from the rotation. As long as nobody enters the transfer portal, as I said earlier, or makes an in, ill-advised NBA draft decision based on, hey, you went to the final, you went to the final four, and you and you missed it by by a buzzer. You're you should, you're good enough to go to the NBA. There's going to be idiots out there that tell. I hope that, that Dusty May and them are smart enough to keep their heads. Level to, hey, guys, great season, great win. Let's finish what we started here. That You know, don't be listening to these talking heads chirping in your ears saying, hey, you could be a great NBA player when you can't. As long as that doesn't happen, 
Dusty May and the FAU uh, Florida Florida Atlantic Owls will be back for sure next year. Count on it. And and you know I said finish what they started. This time they get to a championship game and they win. I think at that point we can we can have deeper conversations about the Florida Atlantic organization. Of course, Michigan State Spartans. You, you can't uh, rule out Tom Izzo, you know. So there should be a good mix of incoming talent, experienced returnees, returning to East Lansing, the Sparties, the Spartans. You know they have a sanction. It's allowed by the city, I believe. I believe it's allowed, or they just do it. Uh, they're known for this. It's a uh, it's a streaker run. It's like where everybody runs naked. I think it's naked, close to naked, and they're allowed to do it. <laughs> Not Tom Mizzo, though. You're not going to see him out there doing it. <laughs> but, yeah, Michigan State's Martin will be back. Kansas Jayhawks, obviously, they'll be back. Taylor Wilson and Grady Dick are, are, are there. You know, so just just you can't ever rule out. The, the, the Arizona will be back. Uh, the Houston Cougars, very disappointing to me because my other brackets that I had, I had the Houston Cougars uh, to go all the way. And they are that good. So we'll see. Houston Cougars, they ain't going anywhere. They're good to go. They're good to go. How about the, the Blue Jays, the Creighton Blue Jays? You know, they just seem to show up in March. And I, I'm not going to rule them out. So I, I expect that they'll they'll uh, they'll be back. Although Schreimerman and, and Colbrand are uh, both projected to be selected in the NBA draft, so that we'll I'll consider them gone for now. But they'll be back. They'll be back next year. Alabama will be back. Alabama's always there. Arkansas was good. You know, those are all teams that will be back. My name's Saul Marcos El Presidente. Speaking of back, I'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. And we're going to have Grant Alsip, uh, beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA and NBAanalysis.net, joins us. We're going to be talking some more um, NBA postseason right here on the Balance Radio Network. We'll be right back. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Rihanna, uh-huh, uh-huh. good girl going bad, uh-huh, uh-huh. take three, action, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh. no clouds in my stones, let it rain, I hide your plane in the bank, coming down like a Dow Jones, when the clouds come we go, we Rockefellers, we fly higher than weather, and cheap lives are better, you know me, in anticipation for precipitation, stack chips with a rainy day, Jay, rain man is back, with little Miss Sunshine, Rihanna, where you at? You have my heart, and we'll never be worlds apart, maybe in magazines, but you still be my star, baby, cause in the dark, you can't see shiny cars. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. 
With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. The balance we got about in our going into our final quarter of the show. Thank you, Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, and burnoutsports.com. Talking a little masters with us, as well as the boys playing in the dirt out in Bristol. And thank you, Adam Jividen, a Super Brown fan, Super Cavs fan, Guardian fan, our college football cohort. And today we started our MLB segment, so we'll get into that. We also talked a little bit about the NBA playoffs. But joining us now, I'm very, very pleased to have back on the balance here is Grant Allstep. Grant, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Fantastic, man. It is so good to see you grow up, man. I, I remember when you run this show when you were just in college, and you were also writing for the Kokomo Tribune for the Pacers. And, and look at you now being a beat writer for the uh, Dallas Mavericks and the NBA Analysis.net. Sounds great. How do you like it? Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting uh, season this year with the Mavs, uh, with all the, the ups and downs uh, with them uh, and being like, you know, in the press conferences and stuff like that. Um, that was a very uh, interesting experience. Now, you living in Dallas now? I am, yeah. Great, great. I got a lot of colleagues there in Dallas. So I was just there 
Oh, uh, at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, it's a great city. I, I hope you enjoy it. Well, let's get into the conversation. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks for sure. And we also want to talk about the NBA playoffs. But definitely, let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks. And, you know, I don't live in Dallas, but I certainly have seen the national coverage. You have to as well. First of all, hard questions have to be asked about, about the organization and you're in a great position to ask those questions. And, and if I'm a fan and I'm, and I'm talking to you and I'm going to say, Hey, a hard question I want to ask is why did you spend all this money? Why did you spend all this time with Kylie Irving who and all by all accounts turned out to be a dud for the, for the Maverick. Now what say you and what am I, am I off base on what the fans are saying about the Dallas Mavericks and how it regards to Cali Irvin. I mean, maybe you're hearing something completely different. I think the main uh, kind of commentary and thought uh, with the trade uh, was mostly about the mechanics of the trade itself, not as opposed to adding Kyrie Irving, uh, because the offensive firepower, um, that translated to, to really strong results. They still needed to build chemistry in clutch situations. They lost a, a fair amount of close games because of that. But overall, they uh, it did work. The problem was that they gave up uh, Dorian Finney-Smith um, to the Nets in the trade, and he was one of their few uh, defensive pieces. So I think the, the main issue is just that they made a an all-in move without making like you know subsequent moves uh, to kind of fix the holes um, that were kind of there after they added uh, Kyrie Irving. And uh, yeah, they have a an interesting offseason ahead because uh, their defense uh, was one of the worst uh, in the NBA um, overall, like 24th. Um, so, uh, yeah, they already needed to improve before the trade, and then they moved one of their top players in that regard uh, in the trade. You know, I'm curious on what your thoughts are on this. The Dallas Mavericks were, you know, a, a fan favorite. They were, really were ones at the beginning of the season that everybody thought had all the pieces in place. What what uh, what caused the the, the uh, Maverick Titanic to sink, if you will, this year? I think it started with losing Jalen Brunson uh, in the off season. Uh, they he came into the NBA in the same draft class as Luca. There was a lot of chemistry uh, that was built up. Um, you know, they, he, he's a very like like stable presence. He's a good locker room. Uh, uh, you know, person as well, um, and uh, I think he often just kept things uh, steady uh, when he was with the Mavs, and you know, you see that with him uh, on New York now. Um, I think that's where it started, um, and then I think, uh, you know, I think they never really addressed the the rim protection issues that they uh, felt they needed to, and they did need to after the Western Conference Finals. Um, they they went and got JaVale McGee with their taxpayer mid-level exception and promised him a starting role when in the summer when uh, he, he's a career backup and he's not necessarily a rim protector. Like, he, he can block some shots, not really a rim protection presence. Um, and then they acquired Christian Wood, and I think they often put him in positions um, that weren't necessarily um, set up for success. Um, and they never really fully, uh, like, tested him out with, like, Kyrie Irving uh, after the trade, like, with him and the, the two stars. So I think they uh, they had uh, basically failed to address uh, their main problems, and then they kind of created more um, by not kind of making the, the necessary uh, next steps whenever they did try to get Kyrie Irving. We're talking with Grant Alsip 
beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks and NBA writer for NBAanalysis.net joins us. Let me ask you this real quickly, uh, Grant. You know, how big of an impact? We talked about the trading for Irving and, and what went in. They, they had to give up two starters, Doran Finney-Smith and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, um, and plus an unprotected 2029 first round. That was a big gamble. Um, what was the impact of losing those starters there? And do you think that was a gamble that the Mavericks should or shouldn't have made, or did they make the right decision in that? I think the general idea of trading for Kyrie Irving, um, I think that was a good move. Um, they did need a co-star, and I do think that, uh, you know, he's used to playing with superstar talent. He picks his spots really well, and, and uh, he's the best uh, fourth-quarter scorer uh, in terms of volume and, uh, you know, just a matter of opinion as well. Um, so I think, like, that's an er- those are all areas that they didn't really have addressed. Um, but I think that's – I think the big thing is that uh, he was available before the season. And, like, in the summertime, right before uh, the start of free agency, um, you know, news came out about how, you know, their, his contract talks to the Nets, uh, they weren't going to reach an agreement and they gave him permission to seek trades. So, like, one of the common things that he he brings up, which is a valid point, is that they didn't have a full training camp, and they they're going through they're going through the ugly process, uh, like well in must win games as opposed to having that training camp in early season to kind of work through some stuff. Um, and then when you already have like a, a flawed roster uh, on the fly, there aren't there aren't many things that you can necessarily do like push buttons to get positive results um, in key areas. So I think uh, the general idea of adding him was was a good move, uh, but you know, obviously with him being a, an unrestricted free agent, keeping him and then making those uh, following moves are going to be uh, essential for sure. You know, I want to talk about an article that you wrote. We certainly don't want to give a lot of spoilers to it because we want people to go read it. But you you wrote an article and you titled it Tanking Mavs uh, Clinch Playoff Elimination Using the Loss versus Bulls. Uh, after setting many key players to maximize the NBA draft outlook, the Dallas Mavericks tanked their way to a loss against the Chicago Bulls. Um, that's pretty. That's a that's a pretty strong statement there. Um, do you think that is that what you think that the that the Mavericks tanked just to do better in the NBA draft? It's not. It's not unheard of. We hear about it in the NFL and stuff, but no team actually likes to come out and say that. Do you, Do you think that that's really what happened with the with the Mavericks? I definitely do. Um, they were in a. They weren't mathematically eliminated or formally eliminated uh, from play-in contention for that tenth spot, and uh, before the game. Um, so actually, I'll, I'll take dial it back a little bit longer. So 22 hours before their like game day injury report, um, they had listed Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic as probable, and those are the only names on the injury report. And then the in the morning injury report uh, yesterday. Uh, 22 hours later, they mentioned, um, like, Josh Green, who's 22 years old, um, as out with rest. Christian Wood, uh, out with rest. Um, and then uh, numerous players like Kyrie Irving, um, they, they he went from probable to out. And he had just mentioned in uh, Atlanta on Sunday uh, that his uh, right foot injury that he had re-aggravated a couple weeks ago has been feeling much better, and that's what he attributed to his recent performances. He had 41 on Sunday, and then he scored like 20 points in the fourth quarter almost um, on Wednesday against the Kings. So it, clearly his injury wasn't like there was no re-aggravation, so there wasn't really a logical reason. 
if you're like trying to to still contend. And then even before the game, they described it as a management decision to shift course, and they didn't overtly say tanking, but they basically said we're shifting course from like trying to keep our playing hopes alive. I'm sure I'm sure they had all kinds of projections and wh- whatever you want to call it for the available information um, and, you know, that the organization has to determine like, like, you know, cost benefit, all that stuff. But I definitely think that, you know, based off everything, that's clearly what the decision was. Like whether that was like justifiable or not, considering it's game 81 and the outlook was very bleak. Uh, that's probably, you know, another debate, but I definitely think the decision was made to, to pull the plug in a sense. Well, you know, and that happens. That happens. Okay, well, let's just talk about that. So how do you think that the the Mavericks will do in the draft, and how is that going to impact their, their upcoming season here next next year? So they, uh, they will likely finish um, within their uh, protection range uh, for keeping their pick um, unless they drop uh, in the after the lottery. Uh, ping pong ball kind of sort it all out. They need to finish 10, uh, like top 10, um, to keep the pick. Um, so I, I think, uh, with it being a loaded draft class this year, um, you know, people have a lot of, uh, anticipation for it. I think they can do pretty well and address a key hole, uh, on their roster. But, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation about potentially just trading the pick, um, for a win now piece, uh, especially with, you know, kind of going from Western conference finals appearance to not even qualifying for the play-in. There's probably a lot of urgency uh, to fix the roster before Luka Doncic starts to get talked about more and more as one of those superstars who, uh, you know, kind of gave it his all, but you know, decided that you know this city he can't really win with it with, with that team at this time uh, before making a trade request. So I think that's that's probably the general. Uh, so, so Grant, I know you used to uh, cover the Pacers, and it's been a while. It looked like you had a good time hanging out here at Gainbridge uh, when, when Dallas was here against the Pacers. But, you know, I said in the show earlier that I thought that the Pacers maybe pissed away their season. Maybe that was a little harsh because, you know, we did have some career highs of, of, of some of the Pacers. But I felt like that in spite of all of that, the Pacers fell short for Pacers fans. So, you know, I, I said the Pacers pissed the season away, but maybe that's a little harsh. Did you get a chance to – I know you're busy with the Mavericks and, and everything, but did you get a chance to follow much of the Pacers this year? And and what are your thoughts about the Pacers and how they ended their season? Yeah, I, I did get a chance to watch um, a fair amount of their games. Um, I, I did like what I saw um, from, you know, when they were playing all their key players, like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, he had some big stretches this year. I think uh, – Things pretty much unraveled uh, from my perspective, um, or at least my my understanding, when he got injured, and then they started racking up tons of losses. Um, but I do think they definitely were similar uh, in the like to the Mavs in their stance that uh, you know they probably calculated their outlook wasn't fantastic anymore. Uh, but their 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 decision came earlier probably <laughs> than the Mavericks for sure. Um, and that, that's, that's always unfortunate when it starts to become a multi-year thing, uh, when the season starts to wind down and you're accustomed to playoff, uh, appearances, but instead you're kind of getting a, uh, a preseason vibe in a sense when you're watching those games, like last night for the Mavericks, that game was, was a bad game. Like it was basically kind of like people were making jokes about it. Like, Oh, tanking. Oh, well they have a 13 point lead. 
uh, how quickly will they blow it? Uh, you know, haha, like that stuff. It's not like a real, real like serious uh, thing at that point. And I feel like that there's been more of those games for the Pacers. Uh, you know, when we kind of compare the two, and that, that that's unfortunate with it being a multi-year thing now. Well, let's walk around the NBA and let's look at the NBA uh, playoffs. You know, there's just a few days left in the NBA uh, as regular season. There's there's plenty left to be decided, and uh, you know, all the Eastern Conference seeds are set, to, but there's still a lot to be decided out there in the West. Let's just kind of go through what we do know so far, and, and we'll go, and we'll see how it all shakes out. What are your thoughts about the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference number one seed? Uh, their win against the Bucks locked them up into the, the top seed in, in the East. Of course, Milwaukee. A very tough team in the playoffs, always has been. Yeah, I think a lot of their uh, success will be determined. Uh, you know, a lot of teams uh, with health, but especially the Bucks, um, because Chris Middleton was out last year, um, and that really uh, hurt them, uh, you know, throughout their run. And, uh, you know, there's been positive injury developments for him. Like, it sounds like he'll be back in time for the playoffs, and that uh, – you know, that that will be definitely helpful. It's hard to win without, uh, you know, like one of those more, like, talented wing players um, available, especially in the East with uh, quite a few teams uh, where you need that type of player um, to match up against, like, match up against top talent. Um, I like their chances. Um, like, uh, I think Brooke Lopez is still playing at a very high level. Um, it's hard to tell how long that's going to last with, like, him getting up there in age. But, um, you know, he, he's probably going to be one of those uh, defensive player of the year finalists, if not the, you know, like a, a serious, uh, you know, outlook for the number one uh, spot on that ranking when it, when it comes out. Um, so that, that's definitely been key in kind of keeping them, uh, like, up there uh, in the defensive r- rankings and all that stuff. Uh, with uh, Giannis as well, um, it's hard to bet against him. He can change the game in so many ways. Um, and, and, you know, Drew Holiday is still around as well uh, as one of the top uh, perimeter defenders, too. So that's one team you really don't want to have to uh, face in the playoffs with how much defensive talent they have and still offensive firepower uh, to balance it out as well. We'll talk about a couple more teams in the East, and we'll move over to the West where you're housed at. Uh, but the Boston Celtics, Wednesday night's win against the, the Raptors, locked the Celtics into the second seed in the East. What are your thoughts on the Boston Celtics as we go into the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I think I, I feel less favorably about the Celtics than the Bucks. Um, I, I do like what uh, Jason Tatum uh, has become, but I feel like uh, he's become more of a off-the-ball, like off-the-catch guy, um, as opposed to um, being that like higher efficiency, like off-the-dribble uh, shot creator uh, threat that he was in recent seasons. Uh, like his, his efficiency has been down in those areas. Um, so I... I I feel like that they struggle with having that reliable closer in the NBA Finals, and I don't know if he's yet going to be uh, able to fulfill that. It'll be interesting to see. I think that will be a key part of their development as a uh, franchise is to determine that. Um, but I, I do think uh, they they may encounter some matchup problems against some of those teams uh, late in later rounds, like uh, Philadelphia uh, and Milwaukee, mm-hmm. uh, due to a lack of size. Um, that that's probably one of the concerns, like against a Joel Embiid or a Giannis. Um, that's uh, you know with Al Horford at the five, he's he's getting up there in age as, as well. Um, and that's you know it's hard uh, to have the right matchup to be able to, uh, to kind of handle and contain uh, those types of bigger threats. I feel like they didn't uh, necessarily address that um, in the off season. I know they made the NBA Finals, so they didn't have that urgency to to be the one to adjust other teams. 
But, uh, you know, those other threats are going to be out there, and um, I'll be interested to see how they handle that stuff. You know, we've got a lot of fans and a lot of people that listen to the show out in the Philly area, and we cover a lot of Philly uh, sports. The Philadelphia 76ers are the number three seed. Uh, they locked up the third seed, and we'll play the uh, Brooklyn Nets in the Nets. I'm sorry, in the first round. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think they have the most favorable uh, first-round matchup out there. Um, the Nets basically uh, being put in a uh, prime position before uh, blowing up their team. Uh, midway through, um, I think, uh, you know, that, that kind of lucked out for the Sixers. Um, you know, I think, I think overall, um, James Harden, um, you know, he's, he's kind of said he's dealt with an Achilles uh, soreness. So I'm kind of concerned about that if I'm uh, kind of evaluating how long they'll go on a run. Um, but I do think, you know, whenever you have Joel Embiid, uh, that, that's a very, like, you know, like threatening, uh, game-changing uh, sort of talent. Uh, so if, it's going to be very hard for a lot of teams to match up against him. Um, I, I feel like depending on who makes it out to the second round, I really do feel like that's a team that can make it to the conference finals and finally get over that hump. Um, they didn't necessarily make any big moves, uh, you know, as of late uh, to kind of patch up any holes. Uh, but I do think that they have uh, made some like moves on the margins that uh, that should help them uh, to kind of be you get just enough out of their uh, supporting cast um, around Harden and Embiid uh, to be able to kind of make that run. Let's move over to the Western Conference. Obviously, that's where the the, uh, uh, Mavericks are housed at. They're not going to be in the playoffs this year, as as we talked about. But let's talk about the number one seed, Denver Nuggets. Denver's locked into the top seed in the West after the Memphis loss to to New Orleans on Wednesday. Sorry. What are your thoughts about the Nuggets? Yeah, I like uh, I, I like what uh, Nikola Jokic does for half court offense. I think uh, I think they're a uh, matchup based uh, team for me uh, for the playoffs. I think uh, if they have to go up against a team like Golden State later on, um, it's going to be challenging for them to kind of account for you know like a, a dynamic like high volume shooter uh, with Jokic being usually a, a drop coverage guy. Um, so I, that that's usually why uh, Golden State's given them problems. Um, but but I think uh, you know on the other end it's hard for other teams to account for for their offense like they they have so much uh, intriguing pieces now after adding like Aaron Gordon Bruce Brown in recent years uh, it's very hard to to kind of account for the paint uh, with Jokic's ability to kind of um, you know thread the needle uh, to someone who's who's cutting uh, but also still have to account for shooting uh, so I'll just be interested to see how they uh, handle a run with uh, Jamal Murray healthy and Michael Porter Jr. Um, as well, uh, because they really didn't have much of a chance uh, to go far last year with both of those guys injured and only Jokic available. Um, but, you know, I guess also with those guys being off of injuries, uh, that's a lot more basketball than they're accustomed to playing, um, you know, in, in recent years. So it'll be interesting to see kind of from a durability standpoint um, how they handle that. And if they handle it well, I could see them, you know, going pretty far. Um, you know, as the one seed. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies, uh, with their win over the Milwaukee Bucks Friday night, the Grizzlies have locked up the second seed in the West. What are your thoughts about the Grizzlies? Certainly a tough team, and they always played the Pacers tough. So uh, the Grizzlies are are one that uh, I've kind of followed uh, throughout the year, but they're a tough team. Yeah, I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. continuing to develop um, has been big for them. 
Um, last year they struggled when Steven Adams wasn't on the court, um, but he's also a talent with him being kind of a slower big man that can get played off the floor. So that's pretty tough to rely on a talent um, that can be kind of taken out of the game um, by matchups. Um, but I think Jaron uh, Jackson has kind of developed into being, you know, a more threatening option at the, the small ball five for them, which makes them uh, a far more interesting team for playoff success, uh, you know, this go around, in my opinion, especially if you're going to go up against a team like Golden State. When they go f- small with uh, Draymond Green, um, you know, that, that was a, a struggle for them last year. But they now, ha- like, you know, depending on how Jaron Jackson handles that, um, I think they're they're better equipped now uh, with his development to be able to handle those, those types of matchups. Um, but at least they still have that big man um, to be able to handle, um, you know, like a Jokic uh, a little bit better uh, than relying on a small ball. So I, th- I think they're they're more of a versatile team um, without having to make a lot of changes, which is interesting. Just, you know, organic development uh, goes a long way, and I think they're a great example of that. And, uh, you know, John Morant having some time uh, after returning, uh, you know, from his off-the-court, um, you know, stuff, um, I think he should be ready to, to play at a high level in the playoffs. And that, you know, that it all starts there. Um, you know, if he's out of rhythm uh, by the playoffs, then, you know, it's hard to pick the Grizzlies to do a lot, but it doesn't seem to be the case. seems like he's had quite a bit of opportunity to, to kind of get back into form. So they'll definitely be an interesting team to see, especially as, uh, you know, they, they're a young group. So um, year by year, um, their development will be fascinating to, to follow. Sacramento Kings are the number three seed out there in the West. Uh, Memphis beating Milwaukee Friday night, locked the Sacramento into the Sacramento into the uh, third seed in the West. Certainly, a team you got to keep your eye on. Tough team, Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I think uh, you know, similar to to the Denver Nuggets, uh, you know, thoughts. Um, they're they're not really that that team that's going to get a lot of stops defensively, but they're very challenging to account for offensively. You know, Sabonis. Um, you know, he continues to get better every year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been a great, uh, you know, backcourt uh, uh, threat to, to pair with Sabonis. Um, not many teams can kind of handle that pick and roll, but I'll, and uh, the dribble handoff that Sabonis can get into uh, when things, uh, you know, kind of break down uh, initially in their offense. Um, they have a lot of shooting now. Uh, but I think that those are also things that can be factored uh, out of a playoff context. A lot of teams, uh, get forced out of that uh, that you know basic pick and roll action, um, and then shooters relying relying on um, like high efficiency shooting uh, from role players. Uh, you know that's something that some teams can't get away from, and it's just the nature of their team. And I think that's uh, part of what what makes Sacramento successful. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how long their shooters can stay hot, um, and how they kind of factor and make those adjustments if they're not. Um, because they they may struggle to get the defensive stops they need uh, to be able to overcome that. One more final team uh, before we let you go, and we're going to wrap it up and put a bow on it. You know, we talked about this earlier on in the show uh, with the Golden State Warriors. They are in a scary position, if you will. Will they make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. But the Warriors moved into fifth in the West after beating Sacramento Kings Friday night with a win over the tanking Portland Trailblazers on Sunday. Golden State will guarantee finishing no later, no lower than six, a win and a Clippers win, where they win and a Clippers win over Phoenix. We'll see the Golden State finish six. 
and a win over the Clippers loss and the Golden State finished fifth. So there's some spoilers here that could really re- wreak havoc with the Warriors. Uh, we'll lose tiebreakers to either the Pelicans or the Lakers. So a loss to Portland could push Golden State into the play-in play if the Pelicans or Lakers win their final game. So Golden State in kind of a position they're not used to finding themselves in this time of the year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, they've, they've struggled a lot with road games. Uh, it's been a very weird season for them. Uh, a lot of injuries as well. Um, you know, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they can flip the switch. Like, uh, you know, people used to say about LeBron's Cavaliers, uh, they used to have those types of seasons where, you know, they weren't often healthy. They weren't often, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders before the playoffs but people still remain confident uh, because of the talent that they had. Um, I think there will, like, you know, naturally with any team, at some point uh, the core players become old enough to where it's uh, it's challenging to necessarily do that. Um, and there's enough talented competitors out there that will uh, make you pay for it. Um, so I guess it'll just be interesting to see if that's the year. Because um, the West has gotten really uh, threatening, especially with Kevin Durant. Um, out there in Phoenix now, um, and uh, you know some of those younger teams uh, continuing to get better. Um, I, I think that's a very po- a real possibility that this year could be that year uh, where it becomes a problem for them. Um, so I guess we'll just, we'll just have to see because uh, they're they're a team where it's not necessarily based off construction or you know the style of play or you know anything like that, but uh, you know just circumstances of injuries, health, and uh, you know things like that don't go their way, which becomes more and more probable as they get older. Um, that could be enough to uh, you know lose a series. Grant Ossif, uh, beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks and NBA writer for NBAanalysis.net. Grant, real quickly, have you been following the Masters? Are you a golf fan? Oh, I've, uh, I'm catching up on it. I haven't had a chance to follow it too closely, but uh, I'm uh, I'm actually watching the as I talk on SportsCenter. Uh, they're playing uh, Tiger Woods uh, some of his uh, shots. So, do you have a pick for the green jacket? Might that may not be awarded till Monday, but because of yesterday, but uh, do you have a pick for the Masters? Unfortunately, I uh, I'm not educated enough to make a pick, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure whoever you picked uh, is probably uh, probably a good, a good bet. Sounds good, Grant. We greatly appreciate you coming on. You're always welcome here on the Balance. It's great to see your career grow, and I'm, and it's really excited to see see your work out there in Dallas. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yeah, the best uh, uh, link to use is uh, DallasBasketball.com. That'll take you to the uh, the team page uh, on Sports Illustrated's uh, site. And uh, yeah, I've, I'll have a lot of content uh, throughout the off season. Uh, there'll be a, there'll be a lot of storylines to follow. Well, well, we'll look forward to it. We certainly are following you on uh, Twitter. So whenever you post something, we'll make sure that we get it reshared for you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, thanks, Grant. You have yourself a great day. Grant Alsif, beat writer for the Phil, uh, Philadelphia, for the Dallas Mavericks and NBA writer for the NBA Analysis.net. Really fun watching this kid grow up. He has been on our show back when he was in college at Arizona, and he used to write for the Kokomo Tribune here 
around Indianapolis for the Pacers. Uh, so, uh, you know, good to see him, uh, you know, making strides and, and, di- and doing things that, that uh, he, he's doing very, very well with. Uh, thank you also, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, StanBurnoutSports.com, breaking down the Masters. He said John Rome is the guy to go with. We'll make sure we got him on some drafting uh, picks as well. I spread the love all over the place, so hopefully I'll get something there. And then certainly talked a little bit about NASCARs with the clay in the dirt. And then Adam Jividen, Buckeye, Browns, Guardian Superfans, Cavaliers, Duperfan, uh, all-around great guy, our college football guy. He just, he just, he's just the co-pilot of the show. He, he's, he's around. We just give him too many titles, uh, and make sure we, we're going to hold his feet to the fire tomorrow. He said he was going to post a Jimmy's Den, so we, we're going to see that on on the website. Uh, check that out at, at Uh We got a lot of stuff on balancesportscast.com, so make sure you go there and check it out. But he talked to MLB with us. Broke down. We're going to have the MLB segment about every other week because of the NBA Finals, and we're, we're certainly hoping we can have Grant on a, again as well. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. I'm a pal,